0: As we face a whole bunch of new situations around us, it seems like restrictions in Melbourne are changing all the time. And as we learn to cope with and process, I guess one example of the kind of challenges that we might face in life. This story that I heard a long time ago kept coming to mind during the week. It's a story about, well, some fish back at the turn of, the beginning of last century in the early 1900s in the United States, the people on the East Coast really got the taste for fish, codfish. The question was how could they access codfish on the East Coast of the United States when they were catching these beautiful fish on the West Coast? And so they tried to freeze those fish and send it by rail. Rail, of course, is the fastest means of transportation at the time, but when, uh, when the fish got there, they turned out to be mushy and lacked flavour, which, of course, ruins the whole point. And so someone had this great idea that they would be able to turn the railroad cars into these ginormous fish tanks, actually keep the fish alive, and transport them in enormous fish tanks from the, from the west coast to the east coast. And so they did that. But when those fish arrived, they were alive, but they were... Um, mushy and tasteless, the elite on the East Coast said. They didn't enjoy it at all, and actually the fish had become unhealthy on the trip. So after studying these codfish for some time, someone discovered that their natural enemy was the catfish. This time when the codfish were put in the tanks, they placed a few catfish in with them, and those catfish chased the codfish all the way across the country, essentially, to the west coast. This time when the codfish arrived, they were healthy and strong because they'd spent the entire trip actually facing challenges that were unexpected. And I guess, and so the, the, to finish off that little uh, story, when the codfish were prepared, they were flavoursome and wonderful and, and healthy and strong, and what the catfish had done was prevented the cod from becoming stale and so I guess the reason that that story is coming to mind as I was thinking about life at the moment was the fact that sometimes the challenges that we face unexpectedly the the hardships and the things that we need to come up against sometimes there 's another perspective on that and and that perspective is one where we can recognize that it may even give us a leg up, a moment for an upgrade that be, that would not have been possible any other way. I want to talk about God this morning. Of course, God doesn't make things difficult for us. God doesn't cause hardships to come our way, but he does love to redeem things. He loves to redeem everything and turn those bad things, those tough challenges into any way of squeezing out an opportunity or a moment to shine. And that's the God that, that, that I serve. In Psalm 46, David describes God like this. He says, God is our refuge and our strength. He is our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not lose fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. We don't give up on God because he doesn't give up on us. The perspective that David has was one of noticing the characteristics of God, first and foremost, And he noticed the characteristics of God being his refuge, God being his strength. And he did that in the midst of challenging situations that were happening all about him. When the disciples, Jesus' followers, had been with him for quite some time, eventually in Luke 11, they ask him this question. They say, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And the the prayer model that he gives is famous and well-known all across the earth some people read it or or memorize it and say it off by heart and others um, others will read it and use it as a model prayer but Jesus says when you pray do it like this start with start with mentioning the father and start with declaring who he is hallowed be your name and then describe call for this to happen call for it to be on earth as it is in heaven I think sometimes we spend so much of our focus and our energy and our effort focusing on what we see on Earth and being able to describe what Earth is like and being able to describe the the earthly circumstances around us, sometimes maybe even pitching blame towards others or or being challenged by those things that are out of control, and our focus ends up being so intent on what's on earth that we sometimes need a leg up this morning i hope that there's a bit of a leg up into the prayer that jesus invited us to pray the lifestyle that he invites us to live where he says when you pray begin by focusing on god how big he is how radiant he is how wonderful he is focus on his attributes and then ask for this ask that it would be on earth as it is in heaven, and of course, that invitation requires us to to do some exploring, to do some thinking, actually about how it is in heaven, in a place where there's nothing missing, nothing broken, where everything is healed, everything is set right, where relationships and and peace abounds. When we focus our attention on how it is in heaven, our perspective can shift. And a whole bunch, I think, of our of facing challenges and actually finding a way to access a personal upgrade in inside of those challenges, to take a different perspective, is in and around that approach that Jesus invites us into. I'm about to introduce a, a big Christian word, and I know it has a lot of baggage that toes along. Behind us, but at the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry in the book of Mark, in chapter 1, Jesus invites people to recognize the fact that the kingdom of God has come near. And what does he then invite people to do to take part in that? Well, he says, for people to do two things. Number one is to repent. The other is to believe. Now, repent, when we think of that, we get our mind into all sorts of places. But literally, what that meant in the original language, in the original way that Jesus said it, was simply to change the direction of your thinking on, on earth as it is in heaven. Repent, change the direction of your thinking is actually not just a one-time process or not just something to be um, reserved for a moment of grievous sort of error, but it's actually a lifestyle to be pursued. And inside of that lifestyle, I believe we can find upgrade in all sorts of challenging, unexpected, difficult sort of moments. Maybe you're facing one of those moments right now in that sort of moment then what do we do we read that jesus is good we hear the experiences of so many people that announce that jesus is the light the hope of the world that by by believing in him by putting Trust in him by allowing him to be our hope, then our life is transformed and we have the strength to put one foot in front of another, we have the strength to continue on the journey. But then, practically, it's a matter of asking, Well, how do we put that into practice? I think the keys that are in Jesus' invitation in how to pray and in his initial instructions and invitation to those people who began to follow him that one where he says change the direction of your thinking and believe in this good news are ones that we can lean into ourselves Kate may not know this about me and you certainly won't this morning but I really love reading accounts of mountaineers climbing Mount Everest it started when I was probably um I must have just been at the end of primary school and came across uh, Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay's account of the first successful summit of Mount Everest. And since then, I've come across all sorts of books and stories so that I can actually regale people about different parts of the climb. Of course, I've never been there, but I love thinking about it. I doubt I'll ever go there, but I love hearing other people's stories. Came across this story a little while ago, in a book called Blind Descent from a guy called Brian Dickinson. Brian Dickinson was a climber that had done successfully a couple of the other major summits of the world, and then he set his sights on Mount Everest. And so in the middle of May in 2011, he began his ascent to the very top part, the crazy thing about climbing Mount Everest is because of the altitude, you have to go up and then down, then up and then down, then up and then down, then up again in order to acclimatize ready for that final push. On the day of the final push, he, uh, he was with another person and that other person became sick and had to turn back. So Brian ended up needing to do that final summit alone. He got to the top of the mountain, he took his photos, he celebrated with a radio call to base camp and there was much rejoicing. He turned around and literally only took a couple of steps off the summit before his eyes began to fail him. All he could see was white everywhere and it turned out that what had happened was he had become what they call snow blind. He'd been exposed to so much UV radiation that his retina had become sunburnt. It's a temporary recoverable position that took him a month to heal, but that didn't help the fact that he was on the world's highest mountain with no other human possible opportunity for rescue and faced with getting down the Hillary Step, which is a technical climb right at the beginning of the uh, descent and then a whole bunch of other dangerous things that put put his step in one wrong direction and he would end up in Tibet or at the base of the mountain in Nepal. And so he faced an overwhelmingly difficult and challenging situation. This morning I want to ask you, who is it In this time that God could be for you, that he has never been able to be for you before. So what happened for Brian Dickinson, this climber of Mount Everest, was that he had never faced a situation this challenging. But also he had never experienced God in this way himself before either. In Isaiah 30, 21, The promise of God comes like this, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. That's Brian's best attempt at describing the experience that he had next. He says it like this, and I'll quote, I couldn't escape the continued sense that somebody was actually there with me. I can't exactly explain it, but it seemed like there was a guiding presence by my side leading me toward safety. In that moment, I didn't have time to analyze it, but in retrospect, I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit was with me. I'd never had such a tangible experience of the reality that the Bible describes about God being my guide. There was moments where he sensed a voice saying to him, hey, sit down and take a drink. And that's quite an effort when it means going through a backpack and taking off outer layers of equipment and so on and so forth. But the moment he did that, he was able to locate just right next to him some missing equipment that would help him on his journey down that had dropped down the mountain beforehand. There was a number of episodes like that. Brian survived that trip, and he says where in other climes he'd felt so satisfied by his own personal achievement for this particular exploit, he didn't feel that level of satisfaction because he knew he couldn't have done it in his own strength. It was only that God was his guide in a whole new way in that adventure. That is now the man holding the record for the highest descent whilst blind. I want to ask you this question this morning. Who is it that God can be for you today that He's never been able to be before? As we change our perspective, as we look to change the direction of our thinking from the circumstances that we face on earth into the reality of God and the bigness of him. I think we can make this incredibly practical. You know, for me, when I must have been 13 or 14, I was a member of the Scouts and we were off on a camp one time and and on one morning they did a thing that they call Scouts Own. Scouts Own, simply a sort of a church service, a little bit of an experience like what we're having right now on the radio where there would be someone that shared a couple of things and then we'd just go off and and get back to camping. And this particular morning, I'd grown up in church. I was raised in a Christian family. But this particular morning, someone read a poem. The poem was called Footprints. You might have heard it. It's a poem that you could search up by a lady called Margaret Fishback Powers. And it talks about how there was two sets of footprints in the sound except for the most dark and troubling times of this person's life where there was only one set of footprints. These footprints represented this person's journey. And in it, I'm assuming that you might have heard this. If not, then I really encourage you to Google it. But, But there's a sense where God describes that in the darkest, deepest, most challenging times of life, it was then that he carried this person. And for me as a 14-year-old boy, I had to fight back tears. God was becoming something for me that he had never been before, my comfort, my guide, my strength. Just through the simple sharing of some words that gave me insight into a bigger, broader more applicable aspect to his character, just a a, a piece of his attributes that I'd not seen or experienced before. Now, I do have to tell you this morning that I successfully, as a 14-year-old boy, did fight back those tears and held them off. But it was an emotional time, a moving time. I looked around at these other guys. No one else was moved in that way, and that's fine because we each have our different private personal moments with God. But maybe this morning is a a moment where you have a different experience, a new experience of one of God's attributes that would help you to upgrade, upgrade your thinking, change its direction, come into a new sense of who God is. When I'm lost and alone, God is my guide. When I experience heartache and pain, he's my comfort and my strength. When I can't see the future, he is my hope. In Jeremiah 29, there's a, a famous phrase and it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future. The context of God saying that to his people is actually one where they're bearing consequences of their actions and it's a really difficult and challenging time in the short term. But in spite of that, God reveals himself as being their future and their hope. In challenging times or in, in new times, in places where we get an opportunity for a new perspective on life, there's also an opportunity for an upgrade. The Apostle Paul wrote a bunch of letters to different churches that he was involved in helping start right throughout essentially the known world in the time of the first century. A lot of the New Testament is actually made up of the letters that he wrote. He didn't begin that way, though. He had his own moment of upgrade when he had been actually trying to, he had criminalized and was persecuting people who had received this message of hope that Jesus gave. He literally saw a light and changed his perspective. And after that, everything changed so much so that he was very willing to push through hardships that that created for his own life because his perspective had changed. In Romans 5, I want to read from a Bible translation called The Passion this morning. In Romans 5, he describes that sort of perspective shift. He says it like this, Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us, as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures will develop us in patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character. And proven character leads us back to hope. This hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Paul's perspective changed. He saw God as a God of hope, a God of joy. My perspective changed. I saw him as a God of strength and comfort. Brian's perspective changed as he climbed that mountain. He saw God as his guide. And all of us saw those had those experiences in a new way, in a time when we were facing challenges like we'd not experienced before. This morning, and I'm really hoping we can um, pull together some discussion in a few moments' time, I want to ask you, who does God want to be for you today that he's never been before? Because God is so big, so good, so kind, so loving, but there's always new aspects of him to explore. And when I say explore, I don't just mean to think about and to mentally acknowledge. I mean that there's an opportunity to experience him in a new way, that we could upgrade our experience with him. Even this morning, even in this season of our life together in Melbourne at this time, he's described in the Bible as our almighty one, our advocate, our comforter, our deliverer, our foundation, our good and great shepherd, our guide, our master, our mighty one, the prince of peace, our refuge, our savior, our teacher, the way, the truth, and the life. Why don't I pray for us this morning? Jesus, I'm really thankful that you are God in the flesh, God with skin on. And by reading about you, I can see aspects of the nature of God that I haven't experienced yet. And as we face new challenges and as we all experience things through different lenses and with different circumstances surrounding us, as we experience challenges, I thank you, Lord, for the possibility that is held up inside of them. I know God, that you don't cause bad things to happen. That happens because we're in a world that's broken up. But you are the God of repair and restoration and and a future and a hope. And this morning, my heartfelt prayer is that we would experience you, a new aspect of you in a new way, that we would change our perspective on just one little piece, that we would walk in. A new way of seeing you and that that would lift us up, uh, draw us forward and give us something to hang on to as we prepare for the rest of our day, our week and this season in our life together. Pray these things in Jesus name. Amen.